And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's what, man. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. State of Digital Publishing is creating a new publication and community for digital publishing and media professionals in new media and technology. In this episode, we speak with Gerald Gartner, data editor at Addendum, about the role of data journalism in Europe. Let's begin. Hi, Gerald. How are you? Hi, Barry. I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for asking. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, happy to be here. Uh, how's, how's the weather in Austria at the moment? At the moment, it's uh, raining, but there has been uh, quite a long period with uh, awesome weather recently. Supposed to be better uh, at the end of the week. That's It's only a good timing because it's the weekend, so of this time, of the mm-hmm. recording, yeah. also, of course. Gerald, thanks again for joining us. I, I, I want to just have you on, on our podcast because I'd like to just, um, for people who are interested in data journalism and just more about publishing in Europe, which we haven't spoken spoken much on our podcast today, I'd really like to get your thoughts and background and ask you a few questions around that. But before I do that, if I can just ask you to give a background about yourself and Adam them, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. My, my name is Gerald Gardner. Um, I do work as a data editor um, for Addendum, which is a recently launched um, new medium in Austria. Previously to that, I worked for Der Standard, which is a daily newspaper. And also previously to that, I worked for the Neue Zürcher Zeitung, uh, which tried to launch a digital-first but um, subscription-only product in Austria. and. Additionally, I teach data journalism at the University of Applied Sciences in Vienna. Yeah, that's that's it. Cool. So, is Addendum a non-profit platform? The, the new startup that yeah. you're at the moment? It's a, a new medium. As I mentioned, we are online since I think September of last year. Um, we are focused on investigative research, um, offering new perspectives wider contexts and um, background, uh, and we aim to present it in an easily understandable and appealing manner at the textual, visual, and um, data journalistic level. And our target is to make our readers and users and viewers um, think like, I have never looked at things in this light before. Um, and the, the essential reason for the creation of Addendum is the attempt to answer the question, are the currently established media formats still sufficient for our complex world and its media consumption? And we focus on relevant questions from the world of politics, economy and society. And furthermore, we do have an um, investigative journalistic research also dealing with corruption and the abuse of power, which we also publish on a regular basis. And um, Addendum is um, free of advertising and accessible without uh, paywall. So who's, who's, for those who don't know Addendum, who started it and how did you 
come on board the team? I have, um, there is the, the editor-in-chief is Michael Fleischerke and there is a foundation in the background which is called Covaris Veritas, which um, finances our, our mission. And he asked me if I wanted to join because I worked with him previously in, at Neue Zürcher Zeitung and there aren't that many data journalists in Austria. So he offered me the possibility to join and I was... Happy to do so. Working with the media startup, I'm sure there's more bandwidth to do, a broad, a more broad, cover more broad range of stories and have more autonomy as well. Yeah. So like one of the reasons to join the new media um, startup was that I thought that I could learn here more than I did at the standard because the standard is a, a legacy newspaper. So there is a fixed structure and if you um, join a new medium, like you have to build all the processes, um, or you, you can be part of building new processes and um, designing a newspaper, uh, a reading experience, like in a way it's appropriate for 2018. Yeah. Um, and also, I do have the possibility to do um, investigative pieces and have more time for research. It's exciting, but I'm sure there's a lot more work to it as well. But he, like, yeah, like you said, yeah, there's a lot more positives than than um, drawbacks. So it's, it's it's really I'm really happy that you had this opportunity. So that's awesome. How does your day to day yeah. How does your day to day look like at the moment? I do not have a regular schedule. So, um, but my workflow consists of an interplay of um, researching data, analyzing data visualizing data and then I'll go on to um, trying to contextualize what I found out. Initially, I start off um, reading scientific papers or the recent coverage of a topic that I want to cover. And then I go on to analyze the data, talking to experts and, um, and then publishing the data and try to build um, social media um, assets we can also publish. Sometimes the process is different, like for for example, last week we did publish a piece on which Facebook comments um, get deleted from Facebook pages of politicians because we do have a script which um, checks on Facebook pages which uh, comments disappear. Um, the script um, like visits the page of the politician every 10 minutes Mm -hmm. um, write all the comments into a database and then after 10 minutes comes back and has a look is the comment still uh, there or is it gone the aim is to see if there is any censorship and we did this project for a federal election in Austria like for the um, candidates um, of the parties um, we also did that for, I mean, that there are nine federal states in Austria and there have been four elections in uh, recent history. So we did this project on all of the four federal elections. And there was like, we, we do have a new um, government. And after they have been in power uh, for 100 days, we also published a piece on which comments all the new ministers deleted um, in their first um, 100 days so, so then how, they, they yeah that, that's really interesting so who built it and, and what was the 
what are some of the findings that you you got out of doing this exercise several times? Well, most of the politicians or their social media editors do not like to have that much critical voices on their pages. Mm-hmm. So at, at most of the Facebook pages, we found out that there, that um, critical voices are silent, silenced. If you do come back, you are regular. And if you regularly are critical on the pages, you might be banned from their page. And all of your comments are deleted. And we also spoke to some of the Facebook users who got deleted because if we do write the, the, the comment in our database, we do not know if um, the user himself deleted the comment or if um, the social media editor or the politician deleted it. So we got back to them. But it's, it, it's not like every critical voice is um, silenced, but it's moving the discussion on a Facebook page in the right direction for the candidate. So there are still critical voices, but not that many as there would be if there would be no um, moderation. But have, you, have you seen any uh, changing patterns since you've covered several elections in how things have been moderated? Or have you seen that in, in, that consistent in that it's just removing the... Yeah. They are quite uh, quite similar. So, uh, what was surprising that most of the conservatives Facebook on most of the conservatives Facebook pages we did not find censorship in an amount we found on like um, candidates from the Social Democrats or from the Green Party. So there is a lot of um, censorship or deleted comments on. Um, our Freedom Party, which is the right-wing um, party. And what we, we also found, but, but wasn't that surprising, was that um, hate speech is more common on the ends of the political spectrum. So we did, found, did find a lot of deleted comments on the party, uh, on the candidate pages of the Green Party, which is left-wing, and the right-wing party as well. And, and just back to the initial question, who built who built this script? Uh, well, um, there is an we do work with R and the statistical program, programming language R, and with um, Python. And my colleague is an incredible wizard who built the script. And I did the uh, I analyzed the data and classified the comments afterwards. So what was um, critic was what was um, critic that is unsubstantially like there haven't been arguments in the comment, or what was um, hate speech, and um, which comments did not have any direction at all, but also got deleted. So we we do have it like one statistician. Um, what I mean, all of us we we identify as journalists but we do have specific background. Uh, one is a um, statistician. I have a background in journalism and one has a background in programming. And the best pieces we do, we do in uh, collaboration. So how, how does it work in terms of coming up with new projects and, and making sure that it gets carried out within the, within the time frame that you guys set internally? 
there is a rule which also which always comes through is like it always takes longer than you think um so so we do have um that in mind always but we um how we do try to get new stories is like go to um reading um and get inspired by stories of other news outlets i mean the new york times and propublica all of them do exceptional work in this field also some of our colleagues in germany from the berliner morgenpost or the um, süddeutsche zeitung they do uh, exceptional work and we we got inspired by them and also we um try to go through the world with um, open eyes and see where we think we might find data or which find stories which can be proven with data better than uh, without. Like, is there more segregation in Vienna today than there was twenty years ago? Mm -hmm. How do you determine the the topics that your audience looking to get informed of about? So. I know you um, get inspiration from other websites, but how do you make sure that yeah. you match what your audience is looking to get informed about more of the topics? Like there are there are a lot of topics which are lying in the air, but there is in Austria, but there is no in-depth coverage of it, um, and that's where we um, see our potential. Like there is the crime statistics get uh, published every year, but there is not an in-depth look at it. So, for example, what I always try to do is to try to make your journalism as personal as possible. And due to the um, ever-growing amount of data that is um, available, uh, we can achieve this. And in the case of crime stats, we did a special investigation in regional patterns. So our readers could have a look if the violent crime rate in their district is up or is down. And that's, I think, much more relevant to them than um, the coverage other outlet outlets did on the whole um, uh, Austria. Like, it's, it's, it's not in their personal um, field. Understand. Why, why, if, if you say that there's no other outlet out there who goes in depth, why do you think that's the case? Is it just like I know you alluded to the fact that there's it's mostly legacy newspaper companies, but I'm assuming that they would have had some people in house like you were who might be trying to investigate more of the deeper issues because most of the um day to day newspapers just do not have the time. Um, they are working on a day-to-day -day basis and we do have uh, multiple weeks time to um, investigate a topic. That's just uh, an advantage we do have because we do not have to um, publish a newspaper every day or run a, a website with all the news that uh, happened today. So we, we can focus on one one topic each week that's what we do at the moment so we you you won't find daily coverage of the news with us it's just um, background and contextualizing information do you think the market there for in-depth journalism still needs to grow yeah because it's not like America. I, I, 
or like the New York Times, I, where they do have those departments in there to do in-depth coverage. I do not think that the, um, the situation in America is um, comparable to Austria because Austria is a pretty small uh, market and we also do have like um, other newspaper sites from uh, Germany who also compete um, for unique clients and visits. Sure. Um, so there is, um, it's it's not profitable for other newspapers to work on one topic for that long period because they just earn a, a limited amount of page impressions uh, and uh, unique visits in comparison to um, if they publish every day. I understand. Yeah, so just taking a step back, uh, you mentioned that there aren't a lot of data journalists in Austria. Mm -hmm. So I guess that answers the question. The, the, the last part that we spoke about answers the question to some extent. But how did you develop your skills as a data journalist? And how did you get the opportunity to focus just on data journalism? I studied journalism um, at the University of Applied Sciences. Mm -hmm. um, but there hasn't been any data journalism education. So everything you need to do if you want to start off is um, to have a look at all the wonderful resources which are available online. There are a lot of online courses or tutorials on YouTube. Um, really, all you need to do is just take the time and just try to write stories. There are a lot of um, data sets which um, haven't been uh, analyzed in depth still, especially in, in Austria, because there is, um, as I mentioned, there aren't that uh, many data journalists. So I, I, I do not think that there is a clear career path, but you can, um, I think that the best way is to, to, to learn by doing and to start a blog or something like that. How did you get the opportunity to work in your previous companies? As a data journalist, how did they see to realize that there was a need for that specific skill set? Uh, <laughs> I just can say that they um, asked me if I wanted to join. I do think that there is a need for data journalism because data makes your reporting more accurate. And especially if you do focus on making news more personal like I do, that's not something every journalist is kind of able to do. So you, you do have to be comfortable with um, Excel or at least some statistical analysis program. And yeah, I just got asked if I wanted to join. So you started out doing some of your own projects and then they saw, they saw a bit of your profile and then from there you were able to join uh, these companies. I mean, my, my 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 first job was with the Neue Zürcher Zeitung. Background story there was that I um, had the chance to travel to the east coast of the United States and visit um, a lot of uh, media companies within three weeks cool. um, to have a look at, to have a look at their business model. And with um, at this journey, I traveled along um, someone who was responsible to launch the Neue Zürcher Zeitung in Austria. And we got to talk and he said that, there, that he thinks that um, I should join and talk to the editor-in-chief. 
which I did. Um, and then they hired me. That's pretty awesome. That's a pretty good opportunity, not only to travel, but to also, again, get, get into the startup phase of trying to define data journalism. So how have you seen that experience? Because you stuck your, how many, is that the second time that you were in that situation? How, how has that experience helped you to, to grow and to be confident in teaching others as well at university? At the moment, I mean, um, the media startups are pretty different. Like in the first instance, we tried to start a website with a paywall, um, but now we um, do not have to um, take um, advertising or um, a subscription-based model into account because we do have the foundation in the background. Also, in the first medium, there were most of the journalists were pretty young, and we tried all some. Uh, uh, we tried a lot of things. We we failed a lot, but I think we um, learned a lot uh, while trying to build things and what works and what doesn't. Like building community features. How important is the the onboarding? process if you have a subscription-based model. Um, also that there is never the, the ultimate version of a paywall. You still have to uh, adapt and adapt every few months. You're in a constant uh, beta mode and always try to improve your website. The part um, about um, improving your website um, didn't change now with Addendum. Um, but at the tandem, we do also have a 50-minute TV series each week, which we also produce, um, which is um, in relationship to the content we do publish on the website. So there is like five to ten articles each week about a specific topic, and also the TV series is about that topic. So it's it's my first time getting into the TV and working with people from with that background. So that's also um, um, pretty interesting. So how how have you seen uh, Addendum and your progress from September to now? How how has the progress been? Um, yeah, in with your efforts. What did we learn? We did have uh, a lot of uh, articles in the beginning. Uh, now. I mean, we we started one week with like nearly 20 articles and published three of them every day. Um, and that was just too much. Um, also because some of the articles didn't receive the attention they might have got if they would have been alone the day. And we also tried to focus on the story which has the most relevance and make this article visually better um, than if we have like 20 articles in, in total. So we spend more time um, enriching single stories. But we, we are far away from perfect and um, trying to, um, to improve our structure um, every few um, Weeks. I understand. It's always going to be a little bit like you said. How is yeah, what's yeah. that? Yeah, sorry, Joe. What's, what's also different is that we 
our newsroom doesn't consist of journalists um, entirely. We do have one branch uh, with um, experts. Um, they are focused on researching. So what that means is that we do have someone who has a degree in law. Then we do have um, some political scientists and they do give story ideas and deliver facts. So that's, that's quite unique because um, most journalists interpret themselves as generalists. So have, most of them do not have a, a, a really special field of experts, like um, having studied law or something like that. We, we do have the manpower the in, in-house um, to fact-check and give um, feedback from an early stage on. That's, that's really good. Like you got that blend and that, that's what helps enrich the articles as well. So how many, how many of you are there at the moment? Uh, we are, I think, between 40 or 45, something like that. So from zero to 45 since, since September. That's pretty impressive. Oh, that's, um, there has been a core team which um, started in April, but we went live last um, September. So I, I joined in August, in August okay. trying to build an infrastructure for data journalism in one month, and then we went on. So what's the infrastructure you've built and what's, what's the plan moving forward? What are you planning to do? If you build an infrastructure for data journalism, you have to have like a server where you can host your interactive graphics. I mean, it's just the minimum you need. But I think that um, there have been. Well, let me think about that. Since since I I work in a, in a small newsroom, I would say you do have um, two options to tackle the integration of data journalism in an organization. Um, one is um, making huge uh, interactive stories where there is no template for graphics at all. Or the other way is um, writing tools to help your journalists to integrate data in their reporting. So our main focus in uh, the one and a half months in the beginning was to um, uh, find the best tools for our other journalists and experts, uh, which we found in uh, Data Wrapper, which is a graphics tool. I just can say it's the, the best one which is avail- available. Uh, It's like you can go from your uh, Excel spreadsheet to your um, bar chart or line chart within five minutes, which is also really, really important if you do have um, deadlines to meet. And that um, data wrapper is one tool we currently use. Uh, We tested Flourish uh, quite recently, which is also kind of the, the, the new kids on the block. They um, do offer some other diagram types. And what we also built is the tool for um, showing networks of persons or um, organizations. That's pretty interesting. Um, how's, how's the results been today for, the, for Addendum in general? What, what, what were some of the targets that you guys set for yourselves internally? And were you able to meet these targets, the quarterly targets or yearly targets so far? I can't give the the answer about that because I'm not um, responsible for um, um, the analytics. I think our main um, focus is having impact. 
uh, impact means that organizations and institutions react to our reporting and that was um, like the uh, the case last week or two weeks ago the, the latest um we um, because we wrote an email to all of the 2100 municipalities um, in which we asked them to make their um, subsidies to um, sports, sports organizations in their municipality transparent, like um, taxpayers' money. And most of them declined. Um, some uh, mayors being rude about who we are to ask them uh, making their subsidies um, transparent, which was uh, quite quite in interesting to read. And then uh, one um, p political player um, said that they would um, take this transparency issue and um, e examine it further. So I didn't get the last part. Is it the politician was going to get that issue? And yeah, they, they they put it on the agenda. Oh, they put it on the positive to to, to, to solve. To, to, to solve the issue that they do have to uh, make their subsidies transparent. Now they don't. I understand. So is that what you define mm -hmm. as impact? So having that political change or society, societal change, is that how you define your personal impact yeah. in your work? Yeah, if, if it concerns like um, corruption or something like that, if we do have a, having impact is um, and Holding the powerful accountable is the, the most important um, task we do have, I think. I think so, yeah. Like especially since you guys are set up as a non-profit. So does that make you, working as in, an, in the non-profit company, does that help you with uh, focusing more on different... Yeah, of course. Rennes, uh, I mean, campaigns and, yeah. in, in Austria, it's it's a very um, special um, relation. There's a very special re relationship between uh, politics and media mm -hmm. because there is like if you run an ad um, from um, political parties, that's one source of income for newspapers. Yeah. But you can't be sure if you do criticize a political party, it might be that the party. Um, doesn't run the ads anymore in your newspaper and then you uh, ran out of money so it's um, a problem for them and we do not have to care about that at all because uh, our foundation is um, in the background and we are not um, subject to uh, to those problems is there anything that you have to be wary of when you are covering these type of topics no not at all like we, our sponsor is um, Didi, Didi Mateschitz, who is uh, the, the founder of the company Red Bull. Um, and he saw that there is a, a lack for the work we do. And that's why he um, founded this, um, this organization. That, that's really awesome. That's exciting. So, Gerald, is it possible, let's, if to go through one example of a campaign, as a, if, if you're gonna any example that you find your favorite, can you go through one example of how you you put that together, some of the tools that you use, some of the methods that you use, so that for people who want to try something out for themselves can use your your example. 
I mean, all, all of my examples are available, or most of them are available on my GitHub page because we try to make our work reproducible. Okay. So all our R scripts um, and the data is available online. Um, what we did, for example, on, in one of our first projects was to um, investigate um, the global terrorism database um, and we had a look at um, how many deaths um, are attributed to um, terrorism since, I think, 1970. We received um, the data set from the University of Maryland, I think, was the source. Um, then we um, asked us some questions we had, like what are the most important players um, since the 1970s? How did the number of deaths change? Where are most of the terrorism incidents? Um, did the numbers in Europe really with all of this, uh, these questions? Um, we interrogated the data set. So um, we um, queried the database, found our uh, answers, visualized the, uh, the results, um, and then we um, put our story online. Like, well, it was somehow difficult to make um, um, the translations. I think we had 150,000 um, categories of the, the motives behind, and not 150,000, but I think 1,000. And we also translated them with Google, um, Google Translate, and, and then we also had to geocode all the locations. Yeah. That's in, in short what we did. That makes sense. Uh, what happens is what happens if sometimes you have an idea and then you, you think that you figured out that you have the data or the data source, but then it falls through. What what would happen in that case? In that case, um, we <laughs> just can't run the the story. And we we could try to have a look at other data sources, but sometimes you have to, to kill your darlings, and also if we if you do not find a dataset, you mean you you can still try to make your own dataset like we did in the Facebook example. Yeah. Um, but um, then you have to change your schedule because it will take longer. I'm assuming though that you guys are planning in, in advance that you can foresee some of the fall throughs if that happens. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. We, we have a, a confidence uh, interval. If if we think that we might be able to publish a story in two days, two weeks, or six months, uh, okay. and we always work on multiple projects at one time um, because we do have to take into account that most of our sources um, are not capable of delivering all the data we need within uh, one day or less. So that's just the reason why we um, multiple That's cool. So, so just looking ahead, looking at Addendum's 2018 initiatives just for the rest of the year, mm -hmm. what's planned in general and what's planned for, what are you planning for yourself and, and for the department or the processes and the infrastructure that you want to build um, out further? 
what I want to do in 2018 is to it's make outstanding journalism, but my personal goal is to personalize in journalism further. I do want to get into um, video storytelling and integrating data in videos and also what I want to do is data unification, like uh, making making songs out of your data. Like there have been projects on making the uh, all the earthquakes which occurred in Italy, I think, uh, hearable. And the stronger the earthquake was, the higher um, the, the, the sound was. And it was like like a sound. And, and I think in, in this case, a pr pretty unique uh, way of, of storytelling. And that's what I also want to try here and uh, also i want to get other, yeah. um so sorry joe to cut you off did, so does that mean like you get a piece of data and then if there's an article which looks at a specific it has a specific altitude um not altitude sorry a magnitude and they'll also bring up a specific noise or how, how does that work the sound journalism uh yeah you you translate like if you have an earthquake uh with uh seven on the richter scala um, then it's uh, then it's a higher um, acoustic sound than like if it's a, a, a number two on the uh, Richter scala. Then you um, make a time series with that and um, combine it with uh, like a, a line chart and you press play and then you see um, in one corner, for example, the date and in within the line you see. Um, um, how if there has been an earthquake and if so how strong was it and correspondingly uh, you hear the sound for that that's pretty awesome I, I look forward to seeing that we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll put it in the notes once you have that published and and the notes and we'll put the your github link into the show notes as well so thanks thanks for that that sounds really interesting uh, what was the 2018 addendums initiatives the, the overall roadmap that's been planned out that you can share with us if that's possible as i said i'm i'm not in in the position to talk about um kpis or something like that i just can um tell you that we aim to uh, enlarge our data team because we still need to have um front end um at least one front end developer more to make more projects which are interactive and are not possible with the uh, possibilities that DataWrapper offers. So making um, really, really custom maps, building a, a scrolling template, for example, things like that. Cool. And What's, what's also the goal is that uh, we do need to find some new formats to tell data-rich stories on uh, mobile phones because most of our readers read our articles on their smartphone um, and we are constrained by the size which is available. So we, we need to, to find a way to better tell our stories there. Understood. Um, there was a recent Guardian mobile study, two-year study, which which went through some findings, and um, there's the, there's the links to that. So I'm sure there's some information you can get from there. But yeah, it's mobile is a big mm -hmm. area this year, next year I think, and beyond. So yeah, 
Gerald, so just to final question and final topic, I guess, is around career advice. So the two parts, how do you think, what's some of the career advice you give to someone? I know you said that you can't give a direct, there's no direct path, but what's some of the career advice, again, you'd want to give to someone who wants to get to data journalism in Austria slash Europe? And also, how do you think a professional can grow the professionalism in, in, in Austria? Um, I think if you want to get into data journalism in, in Austria, you just need to get in contact with one of the data journalists because um, most of the data teams would be happy to, to hire someone like you. And I, I teach at the university for, I think, four or three years now. And there have always been like 30 students. And none of them decided to do that. Even though I told them that um, data journalism is one of the few spots where you have a chance as a young journalist, because everything you knew you need to do is being kind of not being scared of making basic mathematical, <laughs> not being afraid of um, basic math. That's a, a good starting point and being curious about new ways of storytelling. That's what um, I would, is, is, is my best career advice, I guess. Cool. And, and in terms of just improving the industry standards in Austria and in Europe, do you think that the, there needs to be more industry associations or cross-collaboration learning with other countries? Maybe would that help? Or what do you think would help you? Um, we have had some cooperation, uh, cooperations with um, media outlets from Switzerland and from Germany, which went quite, uh, quite well. But I think that there has to be uh, more cooperation between um, data teams. But that's, that's um, happening like the, the last two to three years that data teams from all over Europe are coming together and making stories together and running projects. So I, hope, I hope that uh, happens um, as you guys expand and grow. And I wish you all the best in your current endeavors. It seems that you guys are moving very quickly and yeah, you're doing a lot of projects, exciting projects. So thank you for joining us and all the best. Thanks, thanks. All the best to you too. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the State of Digital Publishing Podcast. Listen to past and upcoming episodes across all major podcast networks. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and join our community groups. Finally, visit stateofdigitalpublishing.com for premium information, resources, and become a member today. Until next time. Five-hour tea with caffeine from green tea leaves. It's delicious, energizing, and comes in three amazing flavors. With zero sugar and four calories, it fits your life. With its compact size and portability, it goes where you go. To the campsite, the hiking trail, the beach, without weighing you down. Five-hour tea. Caffeine from green tea leaves. Release your natural sight. From the makers of 5-Hour Energy. For more information, visit 5hourenergy.com. 5-Hour Tea with caffeine from green tea leaves. 
It's delicious, energizing, and comes in three amazing flavors. With zero sugar and four calories, it fits your life. With its compact size and portability, it goes where you go, to the campsite, the hiking trail, the beach, without weighing you down. Five-hour tea, caffeine from green tea leaves. Release your natural sight from the makers of Five Hour Energy. For more information, visit 5hourenergy.com.